Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, back and better than ever. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. As we roll along, we are live from the seaport, brought to you by Grey Goose, the assembled members of the hashtag crew have assembled around us, and I've got Mel ready to go. So just to put a finishing ribbon on the Draymond conversation, and, and we will come back to it when I have a little more time later in the hour. The incident last night is, it's one of those, there's a great Chris Rock routine in which he, 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 um, he uses the, the phrase in an entirely different context, but he uses the phrase, I'm not saying it was right, but I understand Like what happened with Draymond last night, he can't fall for what Sabonis did to him last night. But I understand. Sabonis completely initiates that. He falls, he flops. He falls when absolutely, there's no reason for him to fall on the ground except that he wants to. He's trying to flop and draw off something. Then he grabs a hold of Draymond's leg and Draymond kicks him to try and get his leg free. Now, he stomps is almost too, he steps on him too hard. So I guess what I'm saying is, I'm usually the last one in the world to defend Draymond Green. I kind of get it this time. I kind of do. You are shaking your head at me like you thoroughly disagree. Just because in this case, it's, it's the who and not the what. This is Draymond Green. That's who, what I mean. Who does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. Like, Indomitian Sue doesn't uh, deserve the benefit of the doubt. Right. Like, fill-in-the-blank dirty player doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. If DeMontis Sabonis had Clay Thompson's leg in a chokehold, I can guarantee you he wouldn't have gotten his lungs x-rayed last night. Well, perhaps. That's the nature of the business. I will tell you, I received a very funny text from our friend Mark Schlereth that I will read to you a little bit later in this hour about this. Suffice it to say, he was not impressed with Sabonis. But that said... My focus is very squarely on a week from Thursday and Friday in Kansas City as I prepare for the third year to have the extraordinary privilege of hosting the NFL draft and our coverage of it on ESPN. And I will be seated next to a man who will be analyzing his 40th draft for ESPN. The one and only Mel Kuyper Jr. who joins us live here now on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Mel. Good morning, Greeny. How you doing, pal? 40 years for ESPN and 45 years oh. analyzing the draft. <laughs> I remember every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every pick made in those 40 years, uh, Greeny. I'll tell you, it's amazing how long it's been. And this draft is as intriguing as any we've seen in recent memory, even though it's not considered a great draft. It's, I think, probably more intriguing because of that fact. So I want to play you something. I haven't had a chance to play mm-hmm. it yet this morning. But this is from NFL Live yesterday. Hembo pointed it out to me, and I was, I was quite surprised by it. This is Adam Schefter on NFL Live yesterday, and he winds up making a bet with Orlovsky okay. about what he, Shefty, expects to happen at the top of the draft. Listen. We've seen Carolina make the move up right away, right away for a quarterback at one, but we haven't seen anybody trade up to two when Houston's open to listening. We haven't seen anybody trade up to number three because you know what? I think Indianapolis 
thinks there's a real chance right now that they could sit right where they are at four and get potentially the second quarterback in this draft. There's a chance we might not see a quarterback go at two or even three, and there might not be a team that trades up because the value in that isn't what we thought it would be. So Indianapolis may be sitting there with its pick in the litter, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or C.J. Stroud. Schefter went on, Mel, in that conversation to basically to make a, a little wager with Orlovsky that only one quarterback is going to go in the first three picks. So what, what that is so the opposite of everything that, that I have been expecting and, that, and of every conversation we've had. I'm just curious, Mel, what's your reaction to Shefty saying that? Well, I think he's dealing with what the facts are now, what the, the speculation is now is what Adam's talking about. And I think Houston's the key entity here because we thought it would be Young or Stroud, whoever is left over for them to take. They need a quarterback, right? It sets up perfectly. Carolina debating who they're going to take. It looks like it's going to be Bryce Young now. And all of a sudden, here's C.J. Stroud sitting there, and they're going to pass for Will Anderson. Now, they do pick at 12, Greeny, and that gives them the ability, mm-hmm. to, and they pick again at 33. So they have picks to move up, and we saw it with Josh Allen. Buffalo moved up from 12 to 7. You know, Chicago moved up from 20 to 11 for fields. Houston is still in the quarterback run. If 12, if they can move up, say a Will Levis drops. I haven't going 11 in the, in the uh, rotating draft that Todd and I did yesterday. So if Levis slides a little bit, they could still maybe get him. If Richardson slides a little bit, maybe they could get him. So Stroud not going to Houston and Will Anderson possibly now, then Arizona, Jalen Carter, all of a sudden now Indiana. Annapolis does, as Adam suggested, get their second second quarterback on their board or maybe their number one quarterback on their board. Who knows? Well, so that, that was going to be my next question. If I told you that a quarterback was going to go one and then not again until four, would you assume that it will be Will Anderson and Jalen Carter who are the two that come off the board? Yes, if that's the case. If they cannot get out of there, then you would think it's the two best players on the board. I've had Jalen Carter one and Will Anderson two all year, basically. They're the number one, number two players on the big board. And then uh, you think about Bryce Young right there with Will Anderson Jr., Will Levis and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson thereafter. So they've been all bunched together with Carter's solidly number one for me based on pure football ability. We know the character concerns are there. But certainly uh, if he goes three and Anderson goes two to Houston, then all of a sudden Indy's sitting there with Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis staring them in the face. And they could pick one of those. The question then would be, does Seattle take a quarterback? Does somebody trade up to get a quarterback prior to Tennessee at 11? What does Houston do at 12? There would be tremendous intrigue if that happened. I love it because what you don't want is to have young one. We know Stroud's two. Arizona, make, you don't want it to be so scripted that it's easy to predict. You would love to go into the draft. If we do know Young's going one, fine. That's done. We move on to number two. We hope two is a mystery, and it seems like right now they're leaning to Will Anderson Jr. We'll see by the time we get to next week whether that is written in pen or pencil. Greeny and Mel with me here on ESPN Radio. I mean, I, I find all this stuff so incredibly interesting, and, and because I do this before part of my job here, I have been following basically everything you have said since January. For those who have not, if you were ranking the quarterbacks, because some people, Mel, as you know, are just kind of checking into this now. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Time for the draft. How would you stack the quarterbacks if it was you right now putting together the quarterback board in your room? Well, I said back a month ago or two months ago, if Bryce Young was 195 or heavier, he would be number one. He was at 204. Now, whether he can maintain that, very debatable. So he would be one. Will Levis, Kentucky, which goes against 
which you're hearing from just about everybody else in the media, would be a two for me. Something that has four, I've heard people say he's behind Hendon Hooker and he should be six. So everybody's all over the place. I'm sticking with him at two, C.J. Stroud three, Anthony Richardson four, and Hendon Hooker five. So that's been a consistent order for me, basically, Granny, going back to the season. I mean, I haven't really changed much on that at all. That's been pretty much that has been the order. Now, if you look at Hendon Hooker, I have at five something. He deserves to be a little higher than that. I don't see that. So, there, like I say, there's mixed opinion on all these guys, really, except for Bryce Young, if he was the at least over 195 for me. He's the solid quarterback. He's been there forever. We know that. Two is up in the air. Some think Richardson. Some think Stroud. I think Levis. Nobody has Hooker at two, I believe. Except I think Mike Tannenbaum may. I'm not sure about that or somewhere up there pretty high. But to me... Yeah, it's all over, and I love that. I think the mixed opinions and and the mystery about the draft is what we love, Greeny. And then we react to what's happening. We predict. We we talk about what we think will happen, what should happen. How do we do? We like it? Do we not like it? We love to be shocked, and hopefully, we have some of that come next Thursday. Mel Kiper, who has been doing the NFL draft again, this will be the 40th year on ESPN. There have been ten thousand five hundred and sixty three players <laughs> drafted on Mel's watch, and we will have a couple hundred more coming your way next weekend from Kansas City. Mel, how here's I'm going to ask you a question I know you can't answer. But to me, the story of Jalen Hurts is one of the most interesting mm-hmm. things I've ever seen. Because there's a part of me that wants to say I was wrong, but I I don't think I was wrong. Like I watched what everyone else watched and I said that kid's not an NFL quarterback when he was in college because he couldn't pass he couldn't throw the ball. Well, Nick Saban didn't trust him to throw a pass in big games long before he took him out of that national championship game. Nick coached him like he didn't trust him to throw the ball late in close games. And then, of course, legendarily, he gets benched at halftime of the championship game. Jalen Hurts did not have the accuracy to be an NFL quarterback when he came out. How do we explain the transformation in a player like that? And maybe more significantly, how do we predict it? Because that's what every team and organization is trying to do. They are, and there's no perfect formula. And I think for Jalen, benefiting from going to Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley for that year. When he went to Oklahoma, he started to look like a different quarterback. And that allowed him to jump up from the fourth, fifth round up until the second round. And I remember that year. Ironically, Greeny, the Ravens were th- would have, I think, taken Jalen Hurts had he been there. Now we're talking about the Hurts-Lamar situation, the contract mm-hmm. that, that Jalen got with Lamar and all that. Where's he? Th- that's what they were thinking because they knew the way Lamar played, injuries are going to happen, and we need somebody who can run that similar offense. Jalen Hurts can. He would have been, been a Raven had he slid down a little further, but the Eagles grabbed him, and Wentz was there. Remember, Carson Wentz had a heck of a start to his career. He was responsible for a Super Bowl team. Okay, He got him in that position to win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. He was considered one of the top five players you know, in year three in the NFL in any position. So, yeah, and then things went off, off the rails after that with the injuries, and, and, and Jalen took over. So, again, I, I think it's, it's, it, that's what makes it great. Brady in the fifth round, Hurts in the second round. We've seen Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, this is why it's not. You can study this. You can have all the analytics. You can have 50 million scouts, tens of thousand opinions, and you still may get it wrong. And, and that's what makes it so great. And, and mostly it is because what happens to them after they get their names called, that is the most important part of the process. And, yep. and you, we, we can't always project that. Mel, I can't wait. I will see you next week in Kansas City. Always such a pleasure. Thank you, Mel. It'll be a blast, Granny. Take care, pal. The man who invented the draft. He's Mel Kuyper Jr. Again, 10,563 players. <laughs> 
have been drafted and analyzed by Mel Kuyper on ESPN. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks to Mel for being with us a couple of quick minutes ago here as we get set for the draft next week. Uh, one of my favorite events, long before I got a chance to be the host of it, hosting it is just the icing on the cake. I'd be watching and living and dying with every second of it anyway. I just get to be the one lucky enough to sit in the middle of it all. Um, and try and keep the um, the events organized for everybody who was watching. It's it's such a wonderful event. And speaking of wonderful, this news came across just before we went to break there, and I can't think of any better news that I could share. The general manager of the Buffalo Bills, Brandon Bean, has announced that DeMar Hamlin has been fully cleared to resume football activities. Um, when you think back to where we were the first week of January to where we are now, that's a miracle. This is a man who could very easily have lost his life on that football field in Cincinnati that night and instead um, has now, through first and foremost, the absolute miracles that we are able to work in, in medical science these days, the professionalism and extraordinary nature of the medical team that, that got to him immediately, the trainers and the staff and the doctors, um, and and then everything that was done in the hospital and everything since, and whatever else it is to which you attribute miracles like this, um, that's what has happened. That, that is a person who I think any of us watching that in that moment would have settled for just gets to live a healthy life. 
right? I mean, that if, if you had said, would you right now sign up for he just gets to live a healthy life and his football career is over? I, it's not my place to say, but I think most of us would have felt that sounds like about the best we could hope for. The idea that he is now so healthy that doctors have medically cleared him to go back to the comparatively very dangerous um, occupation that is being a football player suggests that he's perfectly well, that he's perfectly fine. And uh, that's a miracle. So I can't think of better news that I could possibly be sharing on this Tuesday morning than that. No, I mean, what a triumph. I mean, to, to, to see DeMar Hamlin on a football field playing next year is going to bring tears to the eyes of anyone that can admit them. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. Like The best case scenario, we thought, was he can live a healthy life and maybe he can do some speaking engagements and uh, people will learn how to do CPR and all the things that came with it, which the NFL parenthetically did a great job. But it also, I think, shows you to some extent that these guys are just wired differently. I mean, the nation saw him stop breathing on a football field. And not only can he be cleared, we have every reason to believe that he wants to play more, which is just unfathomable to yeah. me mm-hmm. as someone who watched it. But he's a football player, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to play football. I saw him say that to the president. He was in the White House. I'm not sure if you saw the clip of him with the president. And, and he said, I'm going to play again. And, he, he, and in, so there you have it. So that's about as good as it could possibly be. Let's finish up the football. While we're on that, we'll finish up the football part of it here, and then we'll get back to the NBA playoffs um, to finish up the hour with. But you were just going through the hit rates. Mm. So... I think that's very interesting and important and informative stuff. We're going to have 31, not 32, first-round picks next Thursday night. A, a reminder, when the Dolphins get one taken away, it, it doesn't get replaced, meaning the first pick of the second round doesn't become the 32nd pick. of the. They don't just move up one. So there will only be 31 picks in round one next Thursday night. The percentage of players that will hit, meaning that will wind up having been good picks, meaning the way we define that is that they will sign another contract with the team that takes them, right? That's right. That's how we're defining hit, Mm -hmm. meaning a successful pick is one where that player signs another contract with that team. It's a good good starting point, right? It's the best best way to do it. Sure. It's the only reasonable way. It takes Mm -hmm. opinion out of it. Right. These are franchise building blocks or corners. Right. You can't tell. Well, first pick in the draft, is it a success? Well, did he make the Hall of Fame? If if he's not in the Hall of Fame, I mean, I've had that argument. If, If a player merely has an excellent career but isn't a Hall of Famer, was he worth the first pick in the draft? Let's not have that fight. Let's just say if you're drafted in the first round, at minimum, you should get another contract with that team. They should still want you there four or five years later at any position. The truth is, and Hembo has the numbers in front of him. I don't have them in front of me. I'm going to guess that at most positions, the hit rate is below 50%. Mm, you're right. The hit rate overall, meaning... Don't, don't, don't tell me. Let me try and do some guessing. We'll oh, see sure, how sure, we do. sure, sure, sure. So the hit rate overall, but, but you can give me that. The hit rate is under 40, 50%. It's 39%. Two in five players drafted in the first round wind up signing a second contract with their draft team. That's incredible Isn't to me. it? All right, so Bubba, jump in here. Man. What position, because you said it to me during a break, so I already know the answer. What position do you think that's the highest hit rate of any position you can draft? If only 40%, let's make it, use a nice round number, 40% of the players taken in the first round wind up signing a second contract with their team. What do you think is the safest position to draft at? Offensive lineman. O- offensive line has got to be right. Bubba has this right. So the only two positions 
for which the hit rate is higher than 50%. Let's just stop and say that out loud again. There are only two positions on the field that the hit rate is higher than 50%. That's incredible to me. Those two positions are center and offensive tackle. So, so now, now guard does not fall in that. And the only reason I can think of for that is that a guard being drafted in the first round means that guy's getting paid a lot of money and while still a good player, a team decides they're not going to pay that much for a guard again in four or five years. But the tackle in some There's cases... There's nowhere in the world a guard is a bust. Sure, but uh, you can... More often than other positions. But an offensive tackle is much easier to move in. A guard is much more difficult to move out. Well, okay, That's fair part enough. of it, too. That, too. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. So, so, so it's center and then tackle? Center and then tackle. So and there are two centers that are going to go high in this draft. One of them is named John Michael Schmidt, so I think will be the first dra- center that's drafted. And this tackles, there's going to be a bunch of them in the first round, um, including Dewan Jones and, and Paris Mitchell and Peter Skaronsky. And, um, and, and there are a, a, like, like five or six guys that are going to wind up going in the first round. Like I know it's easy. Like when you're watching on draft day, it's a big television event, and it's easy to be bummed out. Or, or, or for your first reflex to be, I wish my team would draft a fantasy football player. But what the numbers say is that the smartest thing to do is draft a big human being. Right. Because after center and offensive tackle, the next best position in terms of hit rate is an edge rusher. Those are the spots that are e- most easily projectable into the NFL. Did, did I say Paris Mitchell? Obviously, it's Paris Johnson mm. is, is one of the two tackles coming out of Ohio State in this, in this class. And so the, the offensive tackles, they're going to be... Probably six of them, five or six of them that go in round one. Bubba, let's you and I guess together what the lowest hit rate is. I, I have a guess, but let me see, let me hear what you think. What would you guess is the lowest hit rate of any position in the NFL draft round one? Too easy to go quarterback? It, 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 what would you say, Cam? Running back? Okay. I was going to guess running back because... Teams should, smart teams, I think, should be drafting them in the first round, using them up, and then not signing them again. So I was going to guess running back, too. There are actually four positions bunched here at the bottom. So the, the, the lowest hit rate is actually tight end. The second lowest is off-the-ball linebacker, then running back, then wide receiver. So those are the positions for which you would say they're the most volatile or most difficult to project to the NFL. All right, so there you have it. So that's, that's what you can expect. So if you want, look... And I remember having this conversation with John Clayton, the late, great John Clayton. God rest his soul. I loved him. One year, he did the draft. It was me, Mike, and John Clayton. We did the draft on radio. And it was the year the Jets drafted uh, DeBrickashaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold in the first round. And I was saying, that's the best draft ever. I I was delighted with it. And we were having an argument over whether it's good, if if not sexy enough. And you know what's sexy? Having a great offensive line for a decade, <laughs> that's sexy. You want your team to take offensive linemen in round one. Yes, you do. Uh, to our NBA takes next, we're back in a flash on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. I just want to go over this quickly because I said Paris Johnson. So so the, 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 the mock draft that Mel and Todd did yesterday that just went up does not have as many tackles as I thought it would. Here are the tackles it has. I'm just scrolling through it. Peter Skaronsky is the first off the board, and he would stay at home if this happened. They have the Bears taking him at nine. They have the Jets taking Broderick Jones out of Georgia at 13 is another tackle. They have the Patriots taking Paris Johnson out of Ohio State at 14. That's three. Darnell Wright going uh, 16 to Washington is four, and I think that's it. I'm just scrolling through very quickly. I believe that's all the offensive tackles they have going in round one in this mock. So I keep saying five or six. They only went with four. Uh, There's not one coming up for a while. So maybe we will not see as many offensive tackles as I was expecting. The centers are these two kids, John Michael Schmidt and Joe Tipman, who is from Wisconsin. So we'll see. We'll work our way towards it. The NFL draft is something I look forward to greatly. Did you say you wanted to give me some Jalen Hurts numbers before I run on to some other business? Yes, because I think that the Jalen Hurts contract yesterday was almost a little bit misrepresented. So, yes, uh, Jalen Hurts being paid $51 million a year makes him the highest paid player in NFL history and good for him. He's coming off of an unbelievable season. He's more than deserving. As an Eagles fan, I'm thrilled. But let's make it clear. This contract means that the Eagles can become the Chiefs of the NFC. They're not going to win the conference every year. But what they are going to do is be the favorite every year because you have the quarterback on the contract to do it. Here are the cap numbers, Greeny. They are astonishing to me. Yeah. So over the next four years, Jalen Hurts' contract will count $73 million against the cap. Mm-hmm. $73 million over the next four years. I'm just going to rifle off some others. Deshaun Watson's at 211. Russell Wilson at 171. Matthew Stafford at 170, Daniel Jones at 162, and Derek Carr at 144. Jalen Hurts is making a fraction or taking up a fraction of the salary cap in relation to some of his other peers. Why that's so incredibly important is because what he did here was work in conjunction with the front office to ensure that the Eagles can build a great team around him while he can still make uh, as much like generational money in all candor. He, none of his descendants will ever have to work a day in their lives if they don't want to. But this is a good deal for the team, and Howie Roseman, the Eagles general manager, should take a bath. It's a great deal, and actually their path is better than Kansas City's path because at least for the moment, he's sort of one of one in the NFC, 
right? I mean, the next best quarterbacks in the NFC are Dak Prescott and then who? I mm. guess a healthy Stafford. Geno Smith? That's what I mean. So it's not exactly Mahomes and Burrow and Allen and hopefully soon Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. I guess we don't know where Lamar Jackson might be. Um, but but all of that. So I think the Eagles are set up for a, a potentially a little dynastic This run. team is loaded. So you have your quarterback now, a great one on a team-friendly deal. They have two first-round draft picks this year. Exceedingly rare for a team that goes to the Super Bowl to have that opportunity. A loaded roster. They were able to bring back more people than they thought. The NFL salary cap is exploding, and they have the general manager to take advantage of that. We always do this thing where no team in the NFC East repeats. Like We know that's the stat going back for nearly 20 years now. The Eagles are not just going to repeat as NFC East champs. The Eagles are the best team in the conference by a mile. Yeah. And a week from, or excuse me, two weeks from now, after the draft, they might have distanced themselves from everyone else even further. This is a great day to be a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. How do you feel, Cam? You're a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. Fantastic. And uh, Hembo pointed it out, benefited so much from the rookie deal and him ascending at the same time. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen now that he played so well. But this is as close as you can get to making it as close to that rookie deal as you can while still giving him, as Hembo said, generational money. They lost a couple pieces in the offseason, but still this team is way better than anyone else in the conference. Yeah, no, I agree. The Eagles right now seem to be, if anything else, separating themselves from the pack. The other way to go about this is to do what the 49ers are going to do and, and, and try and win around a quarterback. Just, just play whoever your quarterback is, we're going to be better than you anyway. The second big takeaway here, though, honestly, is that everyone, quarterbacks and their agents, they all viewed the Deshaun Watson contract as an outlier. Like yesterday was a loss for Lamar Jackson and his desire to get a fully guaranteed deal approximating what Deshaun Watson got. Jalen Hurts didn't bother at all to push, to, you know, sort of push the envelope there. And once Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and maybe eventually Trevor Lawrence do the same thing down the road, like we're finding that Lamar Jackson's going to be out on an island. I hate to say it, but if he's not going to make an adjustment to his mindset here, I'm not sure we're ever going to see him play, at least not anytime soon. No, I opened to get up this morning by saying he's waiting for a day that is never going yeah. to come. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know exactly where that's going to leave him off. Let me just quickly close the loop on the offensive tackles because I was curious. Mel and McShay have two, two more of them going near the beginning of the second round. Two guys that at least in the projections I've been looking at, I would have thought might go late round one. And they are Anton Harrison, who's the kid from Oklahoma, and Dewan Jones, who was the monstrous kid from Ohio State, really big. Um, so they have six tackles going in the top 50, but not in the top, uh, not in the first round. So we'll see where they all wind up going uh, when we get to next Thursday night. In the meantime, we segue back to the basketball, and I gave you my top five takeaways from the NBA a little bit earlier, but I know you were doing a little digging into some of the numbers on the Knicks-Cavs series. So I want to make this point again. I sit next to Stephen A. Smith on the NBA show, and it's been one of the really great, fun experiences I've ever had. Watching that guy's process is incredible. Like Stephen A., what you guys don't know, hopefully you watched our shows on Saturday. We did four NBA games. We had multiple countdowns. We did all the halftimes. We were there for all of it. Stephen A. plus did his Stephen A.'s world. So he does, you know, the for those of you who don't know, it's like the Peyton and Eli of the NBA. And he did that for the first game of the day, which was net Sixers. And he had all kinds of guests in there and all sorts of craziness. What you don't see is that Stephen A was sick as a dog, sick as a dog, sneezing and coughing and hocking and everything else. And, and yet when the red light goes on, he's just incredible. I, I tip my cap to him. I don't have any other way to say it. But I think he may be wrong on Donovan Mitchell. And I will tell you why. If the Knicks had traded what they would have needed to trade for Donovan Mitchell, 
I don't think they would be ahead one game to none in this series. Now, maybe they wouldn't be playing Cleveland because Donovan Mitchell wouldn't be on the Cavs, and thus the Cavs wouldn't be the team that'd be sitting there. But I'm old enough to remember the last time the Knicks went out and got themselves a player who was a legit superstar still in or near his prime, and that was Carmelo Anthony. And what did they do? They panicked when it looked like they might not get him, and they gutted their team to get him. Gutted. They traded away every person on their team who could dribble the ball without it going off his foot out of bounds. They traded all those guys to Denver, and what happened? Denver got better, and the Knicks only got slightly better because there were only a tiny handful of players who you just put them on a team and they're all of a sudden great. And Donovan Mitchell is not that. Carmelo was not that. Carmelo was very good, and he had really good days and and some very good years with the Knicks, one in particular. But he's not a player that you just put him on the squad and then put anyone you want around him and we can beat you. He wasn't that kind of good, and neither is Donovan Mitchell. The Knicks won that game the other night and are going to win this series because of their depth, because they did not gut this roster to go out and get a player like Donovan Mitchell. Now, would I have traded all those picks for him? Maybe. Would I rather have him than not? Sure. But was it? were you better off giving up everybody to get him? I don't think so. I, th- I think what that what the Knicks are showing and, and the NBA where we what we are seeing is this postseason is becoming more than ever up, up just a war of attrition. Depth matters, and the Knicks won that game because they have so much of it. Let me demonstrate that point for you. In that game, in Game One, Game One of a seven-game series on the Cavs, Jared Allen, a starter, played forty-three minutes. Darius Garland, forty-three minutes, and Donovan Mitchell, forty-four minutes. Again, in Game One. Julius Randle led the Knicks in minutes, and he played 34. Mm. Their ability to hold off Cleveland at the end of that game was because their best players were fresh because they got 93 minutes from their bench. Yeah. The, 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 the Knicks have genuinely nine value-positive players that they can use in a basketball game. Over the course of a seven-game series, that can be the reason you win a series that you would not otherwise. Brunson also had foul trouble early. He only played nine. I'm doing this from memory, but we did halftime. I think he played nine minutes in the first half which means he was able to play pretty much the whole second half, and he played great. I mean, he was unbelievable in the second half. A whole other discussion to be had is if you had a choice between Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, who would you take? And I, I think the answer is Donovan Mitchell. But the mere fact that you're asking the question shows just how good Brunson has yeah, been. The differential between the two is much closer than the cost of obtaining one versus the other. For sure. There's no question Well, about well that. I mean, thanks to the Mavericks and, and, and just the unimaginable, um, their unimaginable willingness, or at some point they kind of got stuck with their pants down, but they lost him for nothing. The Knicks, it cost the Knicks nothing but money but look, to get him. Like Sometimes the best way to see how good a player is is just to look at the two circumstances before and after. Look at what happened to Dallas. And look at what happened to the Knicks. Obviously, there are more factors or variables at play than just him. But that's a pretty good starting point. Not many. No, that's the biggest variable. Not many. Without question. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Let me go around the horn. Uh, Bubba, should Draymond Green be suspended for Game 3 of the Warriors series against Sacramento? Uh, Absolutely not. And I'd like to say this. Yeah. I don't even think he, like, touched Sabonis. To me, it was uh, much to do about nothing. 
It was. What it, do you mean he didn't touch him? He Bubba has been waiting all day him. to get in on this. <laughs> I, I just think, yeah, I, like you were saying before, like he, he had nowhere to go. He, you know, if you ever watch wrestling, you know what they do is like, you know, they're 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 punching people. That, they end up kind of like making more noise to make it sound better. And when they stomp, when they kick people, they use their other leg to make it sound bigger than it is. If you watch, he he kicked with his other leg and on the on the court. He basically—I don't even think he. Sabonis was overacting so much. He—he he made it. He, I don't think he touched with his ribs at all. And the fact that he was acting as though he, you know, had broken ribs and all these different things—I don't think. I'm not one to defend Draymond much, but in this case, I don't think he deserves hardly any criticism. Sabonis flopped. Draymond really did nothing wrong. He had nowhere to plant. And he ba- he barely grazed him, and he's getting vilified for no reason. He barely grazed him. <laughs> Look at the video. He barely touches him. I think he more than barely touches him. See, he did I- not stomp on him. I don't think he stomped on him. If you want, wa- look at his left foot. He he launches off of him with no, his it's right way foot. it's way more than a graze. He's not launching off him. He's using his. Le- no, I don't th- see. I don't think he's launching. Go ahead, off Cam. Him. Jump in here. What is your? Perspective? Uh, I'm slightly less of conspiracy theorist than Bubba. I don't think it was quite as you know. I don't think he put his full weight on him or anything. But he clearly in the video does more than barely graze him. I do not think that Draymond, however, should be. Suspended. He wasn't launching off him with his right. He, <laughs> he's doing exactly what you would do if you. Go down on some of your right foot, then you go back up to avoid it. Like he, he was not. Right, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a serious question. Off of him with his right foot. Let me ask you this seriously: If somehow he wound up in the same exact position, and that's one of his teammates under him, so let, let's just say somehow he winds up in the same exact position, but that's Clay Thompson lying on the ground instead of Demontis Sabonis. Does Draymond do the same thing? I think it's pretty similar because I I don't think he had anywhere to put his foot and I don't I don't think he <laughs> stepped on him. I think he was basically avoiding it. If you step on someone, you know you'll first of all you would actually hurt you. I mean the guy is what two two hundred eighty pounds like yeah that actually would hurt if he stepped on him. And the fact that like you know. Sabonis looked like he was in pain to me. Yeah, yeah, he was. It's back to the wrestling. He was. He was faking it. He. He, he was not in any pain. I, I don't know what to. I, I like this take. I like I, this take from Bubba. I just don't think. I just think if you if you really look closely, I just don't think he was stomping on him. I mean, I think you're the one that needs to look closely here. I. I, I don't think Draymond Green should be suspended. I agree with Bubba in that regard. But the video is the video. Like it's very clear that he does something that it's an, is it is an unnatural basketball motion. I think he would deserve to be ejected for it. Even, and because Sabonis kind of baited him into it, I think I would probably abstain from suspending him because of that. But there is no argument to be made that Draymond Green did nothing wrong. Here. Grazed him. <laughs> he called that a grazing. <laughs> what are you talking about that's yeah. a hilarious verb to use in this case. He grazed him. I think what Hemel just said is the point. It was unnatural. So when you're you're stepping on someone, it's on. Un- if he really launched off of him. It would have been like he literally stepped on him. How often is Bubba stomping on people that he knows so much about this motion? That's why it looked so unnatural, because he was trying to (laughs) avoid him. I wish everyone could see this on TV, but Bubba just stood up and tried to sort of uh, act out what he had I'm trying witnessed. to explain to you what, yeah, I mean, it's... it's and, and then comparing it to wrestling, I thought was fun as well. Yeah. You know, I remember happened. when Andre the Giant stomped on Hulk Hogan back in WrestleMania two in Detroit in 1984. It was a very similar three. moment. By the way, do you think we get a suspension? No. You don't? I don't. And do you agree with, more with Bubba or with literally everyone else? I agree more with... See, Bubba just takes it too far. 
I agree that I think he was baited into it, and I think that it wasn't nearly as bad as it is being made out to be. But to call it a grazing is just going so far beyond the pale. It's also Draymond Green and not anyone else. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, that that is the most important point to underline here. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Is he going to get suspended? I'd be very surprised. Are the Warriors in big trouble? You better believe they are, and they were before this happened. It's a fun day. We'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow for more of the same on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.